So we've been talking about not the numbers. Last week we talked about the fact that God has words for us collectively about money, about finance, about the gifts that he gives to us and what we collectively as God's people should do about them. And so we're going to talk some more about that. We're going to talk some more about the fact that what God gives us isn't just about the numbers. And last week, you will, if you were here, you'll remember I, I confessed some numbers that worry me. I told you some of the numbers that cause me a bit of anxiety, that sick feeling here sometimes. Uh, one of those numbers was nine million, as you may recall. Um, just to say, I haven't got that nine million in the past week. It hasn't <laughs> arrived, just to say. Um, also, but to say, I am currently working on my second million, which is progress. My first million was a complete failure, and so now I'm, I'm, I'm working on the second one, just, just saying. I don't want to talk about numbers that worry me this morning. I want to talk about some words that sometimes I hear and cause me anxiety. And sometimes it's for myself, and sometimes it's for the world around me. Words like inflation, Debt, poverty, greed, hunger. Those words cause me anxiety sometimes. They shouldn't. Well, some of them should. Ones that relate to other people should. Ones that relate to me really shouldn't. But they do. I've got to be honest about that. Why? Well, because... I'm human, and, and all of us live in an upside-down world. We live in a world that has a certain set of values, and we're born into that world, and we are coached into that world, and its values say that I must have big amounts, and I must be secure, and I must have this, and I must have that. But God's world is an upside-down world. God's world isn't about how much. God's world is about who. And, and all of us have to learn as we journey with Jesus, as we journey in our transformation of becoming more like him, we've got to learn to think like Jesus. We've got to learn to live in his world while we're still in this world. And I wish that that happened overnight. I wish that happened at the, at the click of a switch, but it doesn't. That's why we talk in our church about journeying together. That the truth is God is bit by bit transforming us to be like him and using us to transform the world to be like his kingdom. And so those words do worry me. But I'm so grateful that I'm learning that they shouldn't. And that I'm learning to think about Jesus and, and, and about his principles in the world rather than mine or the ones that are taught to me as I go through this world. I mean, this upside-down world is crazy because God has given us this gift, this gift of money. And, and it's, it was given to us for provision, for care, for justice, and for joy. That's why we have it, and for lots of other good reasons. But it, isn't it so true that that very thing that is meant to do all of that rather produces anxiety and conflict and evil and injustice. It's because it's upside down. It's because it's, 
We see it wrong. We don't see it the way Jesus wants us to see it. And so we've gone on this journey to look at some words that turn the world right side up, or rather, turn us right side up when we think about money and about finances and about the economy of the world. And like I said, last week we looked at God's words to us collectively. Some of the things that God says to us as, as part of God's family, what God wants us to do with the finances that he gives to a church, and what he wants us to, to contribute and how he wants us collectively to take what he gives us and use it to grow his kingdom. But God doesn't just talk to Christians collectively. All of us are individually on a journey to hear what Jesus has to say to us, to us as individual followers of Jesus. I can't cover everything. Jesus says a lot to people as individuals. And so I'm not going to even try. In fact, all I'm really going to do is today look at some principles, some words that God gives to us as principles. And I'm not only looking at God's word. I'm also looking back at my life as a pastor and thinking about all the conversations I've had with people, the prayers that I've prayed with people and for people, and the conversations that I've had with people around their finances and their struggles with being able to provide or not being able to provide. And over the years, I've discovered that whether people have a lot of money and God has provided abundantly for them, or whether they have very little, the nature of the struggles actually don't change. The nature of the struggles actually don't change. People with more money don't worry less about money than people with less money. That's just my experience as a pastor. In fact, I would generalize and say, often people at the upper end of the scale actually worry more than people at the lower end of the scale in the big picture of things. And so, so this isn't about, about rich and poor. This is not about the numbers. This is about us as human beings in our hearts. I know people and have had lots of conversations with people with bank accounts that would make your eyes water who say, I, I, I still worry every day about it. I still worry every day about it. Isn't it bizarre that we live in a world where there are people with literally billions who don't just go, well, I've got enough now. Well, I can never spend all the money I've got, ever, 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 ever. And they don't go, well, I'm going to stop trying to accumulate. They still go on holidays and have all the nice things, but they leave their money in a place where it can just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Why is that? There's nothing wrong with having lots. There's nothing. But why is it that despite how much we have, we still worry? We're still concerned. I'll tell you why. It's because we live upside down. We live by principles that we hear from the world around us and from our own hearts rather than the principles we hear from Jesus. So this, this morning I want us to look not at individual instructions from Jesus, but rather at, at something called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. We're only going to look at Matthew chapter 6. But it's a challenging piece of scripture because, because it's that 
part of the Bible where Jesus gives the beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, all of that kind of stuff. And then he also does things in that passage that he says things like, you know, if you, if you think in your heart lustfully you've committed adultery, or, or don't just say, I don't murder somebody when you hate somebody. And, and, and for lots of people, they look at that and they go, whoa, it was hard before, now it's impossible. That's not what Jesus is doing. In that passage, Jesus is teaching that what, what we are on the outside and how we act on the outside is not what's important. It's who we are on the inside. That real transformation, that real change, that real godliness doesn't come from outside actions. It comes from a heart that is changed. It comes from, from an attitude that changes the way we behave rather than, than simply saying, I do all the right things. And so Jesus is talking to his followers about what's going on inside their hearts, not what's happening on the surface of their lives. And so let's look at some of the things Jesus says, some of the words that Jesus uses to turn us upside down. The first word is the word enslaved. Now, it's not a word we use a lot, and for most of us, we think, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm, you know, I've never been a slave. Another human being has never owned me. And so it doesn't relate to me. Well, it does, because it relates to every single one of us. Because we are all enslaved to certain things. It may be food. You know, it may be, it, it could be anything. That it's just that thing I can't get control over. It keeps controlling me. And it's probably the word that's at the essence of what Jesus says to us when he talks about money. It's probably that primary thing that's right, it's the first thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus makes the statement, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's kind of one of those definitive statements by the creator of the universe, by our creator. Just, he's just telling us, you, you can't serve both. Because you're going to hate one, you're going to love the other. And in fact, Jesus doesn't just apply that to money. There's lots of other things. There's lots of other things that Jesus says we can be enslaved to. But he's, we can only serve one master. Sir Francis Bacon said this, Money is a very good servant, but a very wicked master. Money is a very good servant, but a very wicked master. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's not telling us that money inherently is evil. He's not telling us that you shouldn't have money and you shouldn't enjoy it. You should. There's lots of evidence in the Bible that that's true, that God actually wants to bless us. But Jesus is saying this, you can't make both of them your boss. 
you can't. If, if one of them owns you, the other one doesn't. It's as simple as that, and as hard as that. You know, Barry talked about the dust permeating everywhere. And I can't remember who said this. It may have been George Mueller, I can't remember, said this. One of the last things that ever gets saved in a man is his wallet. You see, the truth is that Jesus wants to permeate every part of our lives, including our bank accounts and our wallets. Why? Because he wants to transform us. He wants to, us to live in joyful, happy, good relationships with all of those things. And he's telling us, if you make that thing your master, you will never live in a good, joyful, and happy relationship with it. So I want to challenge you this morning just to ask yourself, what direction is your life moving in terms of God and finances? Are you finding yourself making compromising decisions about, about moral stuff and ethical stuff and, and, and really important stuff when you think about money? Or are you seeking to be enslaved rather to Jesus? Is your faith and your trust there rather than in your bank balance? And it's a journey for every single one of us. And we have to be able to ask ourselves that hard question. Enslaved. There's a second word that we find in Matthew chapter 6 that also Jesus is talking to us about money and words that can help us break free. And it's the word, well, it's two words really, watch out. Watch out. Matthew chapter 6, right at the beginning of that chapter, Jesus says this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. So then he goes on to explain what the hypocrites do. But I love that idea of watch out. It, it, it doesn't mean you can make this decision once and you'll be fine. It means you have to keep watching yourself. You have to keep watching that, that you're not becoming hypocritical, that you're not becoming attached rather to your money or to what your money does for you than becoming attached to who God is. This is honestly a lifelong struggle. Again, as a pastor, I've often experienced very wealthy people who, who are free from the bondage of their money, and I've experienced people who are poor, that are also free from the bondage of their money. But I've also watched people as they've gone through their spiritual journeys and been really committed to God and his kingdom, and, and God blesses them financially, and they, and they become wealthier and wealthier, and then sometimes I see them kind of just begin to drop off on their spiritual journeys. You know, nobody wakes up one morning and goes, I'm going to rebel against God today. I mean, some people do, but most people don't. You know, most people don't. It's not something we wake up one morning to decide to do. It's something that comes over us slowly. And Jesus says, watch out. He's teaching in this passage that when you, when you are in the act of giving, 
just check yourself. Just check yourself. Make sure you're doing this in a way that, that doesn't reflect on you, but do it in a way that reflects on God and who he is and what he's done. He gives quite an extreme example. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it's one of those phrases that Jesus often uses to give us big warnings. You know, he says to us, if, you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, he's not literally wanting us to do that because we would all be blind. I mean, let's not get ourselves. True story. And so he's not literally saying you must do this so secretly that nobody will ever know what you're doing. He's saying do this and do it about God, not about yourself. Don't do this in a way that, that seeks to, to, to bring you status or power or strength over other people. Watch out. Then there's another phrase. This is three words. You see how I'm building? Don't worry, the next one isn't four words. It's this. Store up treasures. Jesus says this. Store up treasures. I love the fact that God actually wants us to have finances. And he wants us to have things that we value. And he wants us to have things that we enjoy. The Bible is clear on that. God gave us all good things to enjoy. We learned last week that some of the things that people had to do with their offerings that they took to the temple was to invite all their friends to a party and actually have a party at the temple to celebrate God's provision. So this isn't about, about, about living, living unhealthily frugal lives, about being mean. It's about putting the important stuff in the right place. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so Jesus is saying, guys, have things that you value. Have things that you value and but keep them in the right place. There is nothing wrong with being wise with your finances and planning for your future. There is nothing wrong with that. But there's a really interesting story where Jesus talks about a rich man whose barns were full, it says, and then he had this massive harvest, and what did he do with it? He tore down his barns and made bigger barns. And then he said, I'm never going to have to work a day in my life again. This is awesome. And then he died. Jesus wasn't angry with him because he'd stored. Jesus' problem with him was your treasure is sitting in those barns. You already had enough. You had for the future. You'd already planned. And when I gave you more, what did you do with it? You, you gave it to yourself and you just added more. Clearly, that man's treasure was in his own heart. It wasn't in God's kingdom. It wasn't for others. And so Jesus gives us this practice that says, don't just put everything in one place. Make sure you put your money in places that matter. It's interesting to see how your heart can define treasure. 
every now and again I pray, play the grandparent card. I want to tell you, money and grandparenting is a lesson in putting your treasure where your heart is. You know, when you've got kids, it's like, hey, stop spending my money. Slow down. I don't want to spoil you. But when you've got grandkids, it's like... <laughs> hey, grandparents, am I right? I am right. I'm right. You put your treasure where your heart is. doesn't mean you don't love your kids. You do. You do. But you know what's happening there? You know what's happening there? You're investing in the future. You know you're not going to be around forever. You know you aren't. And so you want to begin even with that. Thing. I want to spoil these things because I'm not going to be here forever. And Jesus is saying to us, guys, if we, if we just invest in our bank accounts, if we just invest in our own personal well-being and our own futures, we're investing everything in the wrong place. We have to invest in eternity, not just other people's eternity, but even our own. Because where we give our money, that's where our heart ends up being. That's just how it is. So I want to give you a moment just to think about, about those things that you actually treasure. That are really the most important. And ask yourself, is that where you're putting your treasure? Is that where you're saying, God, I, I really, that's what matters, not this other thing. Store up treasures. The last thing that Jesus, that I'm going to point to here, is Jesus gives instructions about when we give. He has words about when we give. I don't know if you've ever noticed as you read the Bible, there's some things that you, that you aren't always told to do. There's some things you just assume you will do because of who you are. So in, 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 in Jesus' conversations and in the New Testament, he doesn't often say, go and pray. Go and give money. Go and read the scriptures. He just says, when you do it, when you fast, when you pray. Because, he's, because it's something that, that it's, it's a permission to play value. It's what followers of Jesus do. And they do lots of other things. But this, this thing about giving is Jesus doesn't often give direct instructions, go and give. But he says, when you give. And it's really important to know that, that giving has a purpose in Jesus' mind. And its purpose isn't to make you rich because if you give a lot, God gives you back a lot. Because that's about numbers, that's transactional. It's also not so that you have a nice rich church and the pastors can, I was going to say play golf, but I don't play golf anyway. So that's not the purpose. The purpose of giving is to grow God's kingdom outside and inside our hearts. Giving is a way that God changes us and turns us into the kinds of people God wants us to be. I mean, you, we read it in 1 Corinthians 16 last week. Paul says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. It's, the assumption is you're going to give. In Acts, in Acts chapter 4, the same thing. The early believers, when they got together, when they didn't have church buildings, when they were still trying to figure out what does church look like as opposed to worshiping God in a temple, 
There was certain stuff that they just carried on doing. They carried on getting together. They carried on singing together. They carried on listening to God's word together. They carried on praying together. They carried on helping the sick and the poor and the needy together. And they carried on giving. It's just some of the core stuff. That's just what you do. And so Jesus says, when you give. But the truth is, he takes it further. Because as we look at various scriptures, and I'm not going to go to them today, there isn't time, but I'd love you to look for them. He says there's, that when there's a way of giving obediently, and there's a way of giving disobediently. In fact, that's a lot of what his lessons are. If you pray like this, you're being disobedient. If you pray like that, you're being obedient. If you give like this, you're being disobedient. If you give like that, you're being obedient. We need to give obediently. The first word that Jesus uses when he talks about giving obediently is sacrificially. We as God's children are expected to give in a way that's sacrificial because it reflects God's nature in this world. God is by definition a sacrificial God. He's a God who gives himself. The Bible is clear that, that Jesus sacrificed in order to come down to the world. He sacrificed himself to die for us so that we can live eternally. And so it's part of God's nature. And so when God talks to his people about giving, he doesn't talk just about giving out of that upper, when it doesn't matter. To serve and love other people means to sacrifice. And so our giving must be sacrificial. But our giving must also be honest. Our giving must be honest. There's some very scary passages of Scripture where people give in a certain way and they are dishonest to God when they give. <laughs> it's scary. And God gets not happy. I'm not going to go into it. But you see, Part of the essence of ever growing in our faith is we have to learn to be honest with God and with ourselves. And so there's passages where God says, you know, if you can't, don't. Or if you've got lots, don't pretend to give more than you, than you actually have. Or, or, or when you have nothing, don't give in, in a way to manipulate God so that I can get, you can get back and then pretending that's not what you want. Give Honestly. But then Jesus also says we need to give willingly. We need to give willingly. The truth is lots of people struggle to give, and often that's because they've been manipulated into it. They've been manipulated and, and, and been forced and been, and been felt made to feel guilty. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty if you shouldn't feel guilty, okay? If you should, then I want you to feel guilty, but that's not my business, that's God's business. But Jesus makes it very clear, and Paul makes it clear, give willingly. And if you struggle with giving willingly, ask yourself, is my problem back there at the beginning where we started? Is my heart on the side of mammon, or is my heart on the side of God? If I'm struggling to willingly give. Give faithfully. Give faithfully. In other words, give out of the knowledge that God will care for you. The best way to learn to do that, that I've ever found in, in the Christian environment, 
is to decide I'm going to give a certain amount regularly. I'm just going to do it. And it's going to happen every month. And when the month is good, it's still going to go. And when the month is bad, it's still going to go. Because I've discovered when I have a lot, the, the devil likes to you know, push my faith down. I'm going, you don't have to give it all to God. And then when I've got less, the devil goes, oh, you haven't got much, eh? And, and, and so I have to learn to be faithful and to do it regularly in a disciplined way. But there's a final word that God wants us to obey as we give, and that's generously. To give out of joy and out of the plenty that we have. I want to say this about this church. This is one of the zones our church is absolutely brilliant in. Giving generously. When when we see a need. When the floods happened... When the floods happened, now it wasn't all about us, it was about our whole community as well. We ended up giving away, we think, probably two, two and a half million rands worth of in-kind donations through this church. That's a lot. And, and people contributed financially, just massively. But it's all part of Jesus taking us and shaping us and remolding us and slowly turning our hearts right side up, slowly teaching us that we cannot serve two masters and we must serve Jesus and not our bank balances. He slowly takes our hearts and teaches us, as Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. I don't know which is the biggest word to you from God this morning? Is it that word, enslaved? Is it that phrase, watch out? Or the one that says, store up treasures? Or the one that says, when you give? But I wanna challenge myself and each one of us here to say to God, God, I will continue to do what you want me to do. I will continue to be taught by you And our church family wants to help you to slowly turn your your world upside down when it comes to your finances. We're going to carry on asking you to give faithfully. Not because we want, but because we want God to change all of us. We're going to continue to ask you to give generously. Think of when you give to God as you've got two pockets. The one is your faith pocket that you just, that's God's every month. And then you've got another pocket. It's your generosity pocket. And it's that thing you use when you celebrate, when God's done something massive for you and you just, God, here. Or you see a huge need. You go, God, I want to do something about that. You see, because at the end of the day, money and finances is not about the numbers. It's not It's about who God is and how God will change our hearts and how God wants to change us in order to change the world so that money isn't something that causes strife and envy and hatred and anxiety and injustice, but money is something that brings joy and hope and light and provision and abundance because it's not about the numbers. It's about Jesus and his heart in us. 
I want to pray for us this morning. I, and I know there's all sorts of different people here. I know there's people who are this morning worried about finances, who perhaps have lost their jobs or perhaps massively in debt. And there's others of us sitting here, we're okay. And there's others of us sitting here with abundance. But every single one of these words applies to every single one of us equally, all the time. And so I want to pray for you. Bow your heads. Lord, if people are needing prayer this morning for your provision, I pray that you will provide. And God, thank you that, that we have testimonies of, of you just providing remarkable things in remarkable ways for people. Lord, I, I pray for those this morning who, who've perhaps lived a life of not being able to manage their finance as well. God, I pray that you will begin to teach them that you are with them, that you do care for them, and you will provide for them. Lord, I pray for those of us who, in our abundance, have forgotten that it comes from you, that have forgotten that it's not about our status, that, that what we have isn't about us being better. It's simply about us being blessed. Lord, I want to pray for every person who's struggling with finances in some way today, that you will change our hearts and turn our hearts right side up so that we can be a church that lives out of abundance and out of God's blessing and out of contentment rather than out of fear and stress and injustice. Lord, thank you. Thank you that it's not about numbers, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.